Hello and welcome to this latest installment of Barnard's on the NBA. I'm your host, Matt Barnard, and I'm joined here by my son and co-host, Emilio. Hey, it's me, Emilio. Yeah, it's Emilio. And on this episode, we are uh, going to be taking a short break from our uh, discussion of the best lineups one could put together of NBA players based upon where they played in college, and instead focus in on a specific draft from NBA history and uh, talk that over, talk over some of the players involved, and uh, do a little redraft of the uh, the lottery, the first 14 picks. I know the lottery didn't involve 14 picks back in 1987, but uh, it does now, so we're going to go with our uh, our top 14 picks of players who were taken in this draft. Uh, we're going to go through this uh, in order for each of us, uh, our picks 1 through 14, and we're going to start at uh, pick number 1 with uh, undoubtedly one of the great NBA players of all time, because this draft has several of them. Mills, who'd you have with your number one pick in the redraft of the 1987 NBA draft? David Robinson. Yeah, David Robinson, one of the all-time greats, to be sure. Tell us a little bit about David Robinson. Yeah, I mean, Hall of Famer, 10-time All-Star, scoring champ, rebound champ, block champ, um, NBA, two-time NBA champ, all-NBA, all-defense, sorry, 10-time all-NBA. Eight-time All-Defense, um, All-Rookie, Rookie of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, and MVP. Yeah, this guy really racked up the accolades, you could say. Yes. Uh, 55 years of age now, and of course, has been out of the league for quite some time, uh, retiring after the 2002-2003 season. But, he actually uh, won a title. Yeah, exa- exactly. Won a title that year as uh, part of the Tim Duncan Spurs as uh, the Spurs were changing over their identity from their David Robinson era to the Tim Duncan era. But uh, part of some incredibly successful teams over the course of his career. And of course, got uh, came into the league, had kind of an unusual start. Yes. Um, stayed at Navy for two years after he was drafted. Yeah, actually had to fulfill his uh, his service commitment to the, to the Navy. So a very unusual player. Uh, in terms of the way he, he came to the league, and certainly an unusual player as well in his uh, performance. I mean, you know, capable of uh, leading the league in scoring, you know, 29.8 points per game. During that. Rebounding and blocking. Yeah, exactly. I mean, a really versatile player was able to uh, lead the league in multiple categories over the course of his career, as you mentioned, starting with rebounds, then blocks later, then scoring later. Um, really, really uh, successful and an honored player in, uh, in in college as well, despite being at Navy. I mean, a college that you don't typically think of as producing powerhouse basketball players, especially in recent years. I mean, he's really the only Navy guy of note in, uh, in any time in recent NBA history. But that didn't stop him from being the National College Player of the Year, a consensus first-team All-American when he was in college. I mean, just wild stuff. I mean, to think about a player uh, playing at Navy, garnering those kind of uh, accolades. For sure. I mean, yeah, he had the thing I was waiting to tell you was um, he once had a quadruple double with 10 blocks, 10 assists and 30, 34 points and 10 rebounds. That's outrageous. But that's uh, that's what David Robinson was capable of. Really, really impressive stuff. And I mean, if you watch a video of this guy, look at pictures of this guy, kept himself in absolutely ridiculous physical condition. Mm hmm. Known as the Admiral, I'm sure his uh, time in the military uh, helped in that regard, but pretty Admiral? shocking. Well, Admiral is a rank in the military, in, in, in the Navy, so that's uh, that's why he was called that during his career. I think one of the best-known nicknames, I would say, for any uh, any NBA player. Uh, as a side note, completely irrelevant to this conversation, I uh, actually saw him at a uh, headphone convention in, uh, in, in Manhattan 
when I went with uh, uh, my stepfather-in-law, David, one time. It was an unusual sighting, but there was this uh, seven-foot-one man who looked just like David Robinson. So it was David Robinson. It was pretty, uh, pr pretty interesting. I found out that he's a bit of an audiophile. I guess not, uh, not too shocking. I always tell you that you should have got a signature. Yeah, he was just there, you know, like as as a headphone enthusiast. Didn't want to, uh, you know, really bother him in that environment. He was obviously uh, really enjoying himself. Um, so I, I had David Robinson number one as well. I mean, he's uh, one of the all time greats, even in a draft that's loaded like this one. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you. He's he's the number one guy. All right, who do you have at uh, at, at number two? I had Scottie Pippen. All right, let's get to Scottie Pippen. Yeah, I mean, Hall of Famer, seven-time All-Star, um, 94-95 Steals champ, and six-time NBA champ, six-time NBA champ, ten-time, oh, ten-time All-Defense, okay. Yeah, for real. Um, seven-time All-NBA and also MVP. Yeah, Scottie Pippen, I mean, you know, of course, a famed part of uh, those Bulls teams, and I mean, not just a part of those teams, I mean, a, a massive contributor on those Bulls teams that won six titles with uh, with Michael Jordan and, uh, you know, really a, a cast of characters that changed up over the course of those uh, those six title years, aside from Scottie Pippen, who is a, a mainstay on those teams and uh, well-known as one of the great, like, second guys of all time. I mean, certainly the, the success the Bulls had would point you in that direction. Guy was taken uh, number five overall in this draft, and I guess we can get to uh, who was actually taken with uh, with these picks too as we move through uh, through the draft. David Robinson was taken number one, so uh, we we agree with that selection. Uh, number two in this draft was uh, Armin Gilliam, who we may get to uh, later on in uh, in this yeah, discussion. Yeah, so I do have him at my. Uh, I won't tell you what spot, but I do have him. Yeah, I have him in my top fourteen as well. But Scottie Pippen uh, originally taken at, at number five. We actually just watched uh, the draft night coverage of uh, him being selected by the Sonics and uh, then being moved to the Bulls in a trade involving Olden Polonies, who uh, also was taken in this draft and might come up later on. But, Scotty, I mean, really, you know, one of the great players of all time, as you mentioned, 10-time uh, all-defense. I think that's most I've seen. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, eight-time first-team all-defense. I mean, that's that's really saying something. I mean, never won a defensive player of the year, which is kind of interesting, but I mean, you got to imagine he was in the mix most years. I mean, 20th all-time in defensive win shares, 18th all-time in steals per game, 6th all-time in steals, and uh, played a really long time, too. I mean, I, I think people, you know, think about his – I mean, I, I, I'll, I'll claim it. I, I certainly think about him most from his uh, Bulls days. And uh, looking at his, uh, at his statistical profile, I mean, you really realize how much longer his career extended after that. He was pretty good on the Blazers. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I remember him, for, you know, playing on the Blazers, certainly, and the Rockets as well. But, uh, yeah, it was just that he played for longer than I think I, I remember it on the Blazers. I mean, that's, you know, four seasons, not not quite full seasons in some of those years where he played, you know, games in the 60s. But, uh, you know, four legit seasons, 272 career games with, uh, with the Blazers and uh, 1,178 regular season games overall. But it was really the, the playoffs. I mean, you know, we, we've talked about some of these guys who have a lot of postseason games. Scott, you're right there with them. I mean, 208 postseason games and, as we mentioned, six titles. Pretty remarkable stuff. I had Scotty number two overall in my redraft as well. Yes. All right, so let, let's move on to uh, to number three. Mills, who'd you have there? I had Reggie Miller. Yep, me too. We're in lockstep so far. We're only talking about Hall of Famers so far in this uh, this redraft. So uh, tell us a little bit about Reggie. 
Um, Hall of Famer, five-time All-Star, three-time All-NBA. I mean, great player. Could really, really fill it up. Yeah, we talked about him again, uh, you know, not that long ago in our UCLA episode. So, I mean, certainly refer back to that for maybe a more uh, in-depth conversation about Reggie Miller, a fresher one. But, uh, you know, remarkable, remarkable shooter. I mean, certainly, and, and a guy who played for an incredibly long time. I mean, 1,389 regular season games. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, go ahead. Led the league in free throws. Um, led the league in free throw percentage. That is five years. Five times, yeah. I mean, second all-time in three-pointers, second all-time in offensive rating, ninth all-time in offensive win shares, 10th all-time in true shooting percentage, 12th all-time in free throw percentage. I mean, th- those kind of shooting stats, I mean, you know, the shooting stats that involve volume, you know, not many guys who are up at the level that Reggie Miller is. I mean, he, he despite, you know, as we mentioned in our, in our UCLA episode, you know, not shooting a tremendous amount of threes volume-wise relative to what you'd expect now, but of course he was playing in a very different league having retired in 2005. So uh, an all-time great, uh, another uh, Hall of Famer for this uh, this 87 draft. And, uh, yeah, I had Reggie Miller as well. Want to move on? Yeah. Let's, I was uh, seeing if he had a 50-40-90 season. Yeah, in his career. I mean, did he ever get to the, quite that level? Yeah. I mean, I, I think in 93 and 94, he was a 50, uh, 50% uh, shooter from the field, uh, 50.3%, uh, 42% from uh, from three, and uh, 90.8% from the line. So he, he did it in that season. I don't know if he had any other ones in, in, the, in the mix there, but um, yeah, an, an incredible shooter and, and got to that level of, uh, you know, that, that incredibly high watermark for uh, for incredible shooting in the NBA or at any level. Uh, who'd you have at your uh, your number four pick, Mills? Yeah, I had uh, Kevin Johnson. As did I. So our first non-Hall of Famer here, but I think a guy who, as we discussed in our California episode, a guy who has a legitimate case. I mean, there are certainly a lot of players worse than Kevin Johnson in the Hall of Fame. Tell us a little bit about, about KJ. Yeah, um, three-time All-Star, five-time All-NBA, and 88-89 most improved player. Yeah, and, and really, you know, a guy whose career was cut short by uh, by injuries. I mean, you know, kind of uh, didn't play a whole lot after age uh, 31. And, uh, you know, his, his rate stats, though, I mean, are, you know, earlier in his career, I mean, you have those four seasons from, uh, you know, his age 22 to 25 season where he's averaging over 10 assists per game. And uh, just a really, really productive player during the time that he played. Seventh all-time in assists per game, 11th all-time in assist percentage, 18th all-time in offensive rating, and 24th all-time in assists. So, I mean, a guy who was a really, really capable distributor, also averaging just under 18 points per game for his career, and uh, part of some terrific teams. Yes. I mean, went to the finals of that Sound team. Yep, as, exa- exactly. I mean, as we uh, mentioned, you know, became mayor of Sacramento after his career, so a, an interesting man even beyond uh, the basketball court. Um, and I, I think a, a good choice here um, as the uh, as the number four pick. Yeah. Who'd you have at number five? I had Horace Grant. Yeah, Horace Grant, uh, also a member of uh, some championship Bulls teams. Tell us a little bit about Horace Grant. Yeah, I mean, first time all, uh, one time All Star, sorry, uh, four time NBA champ, four time. Yeah, won a title with the uh, with the Lakers as well later in his career. Oh yeah, and four time All Defense as well. So. 
Yeah, a really phenomenal player and a guy who played a really long time. I mean, I think a, a little bit like Scotty, at least in, in my own recollection. I mean, kind of think of him for his Bulls years with RS Grant. Obviously, you know, he made the transition to the uh, to the Magic uh, before it got too late in his career. I mean, at age uh, 29. So I remember him from those days. But the the duration of his career, really, after he left those uh, championship Bulls teams, pretty impressive and longer than I remembered. I mean, the guy played uh, 1,165 regular season games in his career. Yeah, I mean – only like half of those in the books, like, less than half. But yeah, exactly. I mean, even though those those tend to be the most memorable. I mean, he played uh, yeah a lot of years with uh, with other teams as well. Made the playoffs with every team that he played on. So I mean, he was and, and played a lot of minutes in the playoffs too. I mean, thirty six point three minutes per game in the playoffs across one hundred and seventy playoff games with the Bulls, the Magic, the uh, Sonics, and the Lakers. So played. Uh, you know, important roles on, on all those teams. And uh, though his uh, production dropped off a bit in terms of scoring and rebounding as the uh, years went on, continued to play a valuable role and a starting role on, uh, on, on those squads. I mean, out of those, uh, you know, 1,165 regular season games, I mean, he started over 1,000 of them. So, yeah. I mean, or, you know, a key piece on, on a lot of these teams. One thing which uh, stood out to me looking at, um, at Horace Grant was his uh, – his usage. I mean, usage, of course, uh, is the number of possessions that, uh, or the percentage of possessions that a player uses while they're on the court. So, I mean, if you think five players on the court, you know, twenty percent usage is going to be average. A lot of the guys that we look at in these uh, in these episodes are guys who have over twenty percent usage, guys who you know use more than their fair share of, uh, of possessions because they're, they're you know terrific scorers, or, you know, great playmakers, etc. Horace Grant with only a 15% usage for his career. So actually, uh, I mean, when you think about him playing with Pippen and Jordan, I suppose, you know, that makes some sense. But uh, it's interesting to think about how he kind of fit into that mold throughout his career, even beyond his uh, Bulls days. But I think he's a great choice here. He's, uh, you know, Clemson guy. We talked about him in, in more detail on the uh, Clemson episode. That was our second episode. Yeah, so maybe less detail <laughs> because uh, it was so long ago. We weren't going into, the, into quite as much depth. But uh, yeah, I had uh, I had Horace Grant here as well. Yes. So um, is that who you have? Oh yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I just said that. Yeah. All right. So uh, who do you have a pick six? Um, Mark Jackson. Me too. So we're we're totally lined up so far. Talk to us a little bit about Mark Jackson, the pride of Brooklyn and uh, and of St. John's. Yeah, I mean, one-time All-Star, assist champ, and All-Rookie team. And if we're talking about this draft, I mean. He was the one of all of them that was the rookie of the year. It's true. It's an interesting note. I mean, of course, as we mentioned, David Robinson didn't actually participate in this season. So, of course, he wasn't rookie of the year um, that year. But uh, it is definitely notable. I mean, Mark Jackson, uh, <laughs> despite um, uh, having been picked 18th, right? I mean, you know, managed to uh, rise above everybody. And, I mean, look, he averaged a double-double his rookie year. Yeah, with assists and points. Yeah, so really impressive. I mean, he also played almost 40 minutes a game. I mean, for the uh, the hometown uh, New York Knicks, must have been pretty cool for Mark Jackson, uh, city guy, a guy who grew up in uh, in, in Brooklyn and uh, played college ball in uh, in Queens at St. John's, to uh, then have been starring for the New York Knicks, his hometown squad. Yes, and uh, he was he was a terrific Nick. I mean, in the early years of his career. I mean, th that's like kind of when I first started watching basketball. He was uh, on the court in the first NBA game I ever attended as the Knicks point guard, and. Um, yeah, had a phenomenal career. I mean, you know, I, I think uh, a, a lot of his, uh, you know, spots on leaderboards and stuff like that are kind of a function of how long he played. I mean, 1,296 regular season games, that's uh, a whole lot. I mean, he's uh, 25th all-time in games played, 
Who's number one? I believe it's Kareem. Number one overall, but I'm probably wrong about that. And uh, thanks for uh, putting me on the spot. We'll correct that as as we, as we go here. Um, maybe Robert Parrish. I mean, it's, it, yeah, it's, yes, it is it's Robert, Robert Parrish. Parrish. Yeah. Um, he, so Mark Jackson, uh, fourth all time in assists, eleventh um, all time in assist percentage, sixteenth all time in assists per game. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, uh, just a phenomenal distributor. One of the quintessential uh, players of his era. Not a uh, you know only only a one time All Star. You got to give my man Mark Jackson some love for the Hall of Fame, right? Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put him in the Hall of Fame. No. He's got to be pretty close, though. I mean, like he he put up numbers for such a long time. I mean, like I know there are different types of Hall of Famers: guys who make okay. it on peak and guys yeah. who make it on duration. I think he's at least like a strong consideration. Yes. Um, I, I just feel like his Hall Hall of Fame percentage would be like I don't know. Let's see, but like I think it's probably not that high. Yeah, <laughs> it's 0.8. Yeah, 0.8, so under under one percent. I think that's being a little bit harsh, though, to uh, Mark Jackson. To be honest with you, uh, he he did enough over the course of his career. It was a value add. I mean, was on a lot of playoff teams. I mean, a, a lot of teams that made uh, made good runs. I mean, you know, 131 playoff games in his career, an important part of those teams for the most part. Went to the finals with the Pacers, I think. Yeah, yeah maybe. he he was a terrific player, and, and I think uh, you know certainly worthy of, uh, of of some consideration. Although you know he hasn't gotten into the Hall of Fame after uh, after all these years. Yeah, did make the uh, finals with the Pacers in uh, two thousand. Yes. All right, let's uh, let, let's keep moving here. Let's go to our pick number seven, and then we'll take a uh, we'll take a quick break after this one. Um, I have Muggsy Bogues. Great. So let's let's talk about about Muggsy Bogues. Uh, certainly a very unique player in NBA history. Yeah, I mean five three. Um, great player too. I mean, yeah, I mean, five, three. Yeah, it's really, I mean, it really does say it all in some ways. I mean, you know, the 12th pick overall in the draft in 1987 at five, three. I mean, just, just think of it. I mean, the shortest player in NBA history listed at 136 pounds, but you know, I mean, what, what can you say? The guy played 889 games in the NBA. I mean, like this was not a, uh, not a joke, not a gimmick. I mean, he really could ball out. I mean, you know, averaged a double double at one point in his career. Or two, actually, two seasons. Uh, or, or or one. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, but <laughs> sorry. Uh, only averaged nine point four uh, points per game in another season where he averaged over ten assists. But really, a remarkable career. I mean, played played a really long time. I mean, for a guy who's uh, his size, but really for anybody. I mean, like we've looked at enough of these players now to play to age thirty six in any capacity is really incredible. And, uh, you know, it's a testament to him being, I mean, in my view, one of the great 5-3 athletes of all time. I mean, how could you argue it? I mean, who, who else has made it to the league? I mean, much less, uh, you know, had a career like this guy's. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah so I mean, average 28.6 minutes a game for his career. So, played yeah. a bunch. Yeah, really, really did play a bunch. I mean, came into his own as he uh, got to the Hornets in his uh, second season in 88-89 and became a really popular guy doing commercials and uh, starring on those teams with uh, Alonzo Mourning and with Larry Johnson in those uh, days where the, the Charlotte Hornets were pretty popular. I mean, a pretty exciting team, those teal uniforms. I mean, everyone was into, uh, into the Hornets, and um, Muggsy was a, a big, big part of that. And I mean, just looking at the raw numbers, I mean, 23rd all time in assists. Yeah. 
You know, I mean, 20th in assist per game and an assist percentage. I mean, you know, really able to put up the statistics in addition to, you know, having been a, a phenomenal player to watch and, uh, you know, major pest on defense as well. I mean, we've watched yes. some video of him. And you can just imagine, I mean, you know, these taller guys used to, I mean, used to looking in a different place, frankly, for defenders. I mean, having to look down at someone of Muggsy's size with his speed, I mean, it must have been pretty annoying. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, Muggsy, a, a great player. I actually had him a little bit further down in my draft. I had him 10th. Uh, we can get to my uh, my number seven pick before we uh, take this break, which was Reggie Lewis. Yeah, I had a number nine. But, yeah, I mean, unfortunately died during his career. Yeah, very uh, tra- tragic NBA death, to be sure, back in, uh, in the 92-93 season. Right yeah, but very good player. I mean, he was at his peak right there at 20.8 points per game the two seasons in a row. Yeah, had been an all-star the previous season and was really uh, had, had really come into his own and was, uh, you know, I think a big part of uh, the Celtics' hopes during that time, understandably so. Yes. So a, a tragic death and a loss for the league. But, I mean, I think, you know, focusing on what he was actually able to do on the court – you know, you got you got to be impressed. I mean, you know, not a, not a three point shooter, but a guy who was really effective at scoring uh, closer in than that. I mean, a forty eight, almost forty nine percent shooter for his career, and uh, you know, averaged uh, almost eighteen points per game for his career as well. And just shooting really well from the free throw line, over eighty two percent there, and uh, notably a player from uh, who, who played at Northeastern. So a uh, guy who played college ball in Boston at a school that doesn't produce a whole lot of NBA. Uh, Players and uh, well, ever did their team Northeastern? I doubt it. I mean, I think uh, JJ Berea went to uh, Northeastern, one of the only uh, only other players I can think of who attended Northeastern. There are, in fact, uh, five. So we could, so who knows? You can uh, watch your uh, podcast uh, aggregator for uh, our Northeastern episode perhaps at some point in the future. But uh, Reggie Lewis, a really impressive player. I know you mentioned you have him a little bit further down at your uh, your nine spot. He is my number seven selection. All right, we're going to take a quick break here, and we'll be back to uh, run through the remainder of our lottery picks here. Yeah. We're back to uh, talk about our picks 8 through 14 in this uh, 1987 NBA redraft. Uh, Mills, who'd you have at your number eight spot? I had Derek McKee. Yeah, Derek McKee out of uh, Alabama. We've talked about him a little bit on our Alabama episode not too long ago. Tell us a little bit about Derek McKee. Yeah, I mean, two-time all defense, um, all-rookie team. I mean, good player, good defensive player. Yeah, I mean, he made uh, he was the number eight, a number nine overall pick in the uh, actual NBA draft, and uh, went on to have a really solid NBA career. Yeah, uh, mostly as a starter. I mean, over the course of uh, time, I mean, playing with the uh, with the Sonics and with the Pacers, and uh, on some pretty good teams. I mean, teammate of uh, Reggie Miller, who went earlier in this draft uh, on those Pacers squads, and. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like we uh, we probably said most of our uh, Derek McKee piece in the uh, the previous episode on on Alabama, but I mean, you know, guy who was capable of scoring in the teens uh, and you know being a starter, playing uh, you know minutes in the mid to low thirties uh, for you know quite a while during his prime. Yes, for sure. And uh, you know, six nine, two hundred five to give you a sense of uh, of the size. Definitely a small forward during his career. And uh, yeah, I mean, a, a, a strong player. I mean, as, as evidenced by his uh, his two times on the uh, All Defense team. Yeah, I mean, heavy D. Yeah, right. I mean, as uh, as a nickname for him there, and uh, you know, placement on the All Rookie team certainly uh, something to write home about. 142 uh, regular season, excuse me, playoff games in his career. Well, and the All Rookie team is actually a little bit more relevant for this episode because we're talking specifically about this draft. So. 
It's a really good point. I mean, you know, the guys who the 10 guys who actually made the all rookie team, it does say something about how they were viewed after their first season, at least. Uh, I mean, I think it's notable that, you know, some of these guys who we uh, have talked about uh, near who we would take in the redraft did not make the all rookie team. I mean, the likes of, you know, Reggie Lewis, Horace Grant, uh, Kevin Johnson, Reggie Miller, even um, Scotty Pippen, even, you know, didn't make the all rookie team that year. So, I mean, obviously, you know, it only gives you kind of a, a sense of where they were after year one of their careers. But uh, it is it is notable. I, I agree. More relevant than than it typically is on on our episodes. I had uh, Derek McKee here as well at the uh, at the eight spot. Who did you have at number nine? We actually already talked about him. I had Reggie Lewis. We did indeed. So let's move on to uh, to my number nine, who is uh, Armin Gilliam. Okay, I had him. I had him at number eleven. Okay, so we're uh, in in the same ballpark here. Another member of that uh, eighty seven eighty eight all rookie team. We talked about him on our UNLV episode, but tell us a little bit about Armand Gilliam. Yeah, actually born Armand Louis Gilliam, but changed to Armand Gilliam. Yeah, changed the spelling of, of his first name, which is, uh, I think, definitely a, an interesting side note about uh, about Armand Gilliam. Uh, apparently tired of it having been mispronounced Armand when his name is yeah. Armand. Yeah, he's actually is dead now. Unfortunately, yes, died when you were... Uh, very young, sadly. Not even six yes. months old. Um, but number two overall. Yeah, number two overall pick in this draft. And I think you'd have to say, I mean, you know, given how these drafts uh, tend to go, got to be pretty happy with getting that kind of production from from the number two pick, even as there were Hall of Famers who were selected after him. Certainly no, nothing like a bust. Yes. I mean, there's a Hall of Famer that was um, worse than him that we haven't talked about. Yeah, well, yeah, we're going to get to that in terms of his NBA production. That's that's definitely true. But Armand Gilliam, uh, 13.7 points per game in his career across uh, 929 regular season games. Very solid. I mean, a 49% shooter from the floor, guy who was uh, capable of, uh, you know, getting up as high as uh, 9.4 rebounds during his career and consistently up over seven uh, during the, the meat of his career. So uh, an, an impressive player and a guy who I selected at uh, – I would take at number nine in the redraft. Mills is uh, dutifully examining my uh, my spreadsheet as I have it open here. Let's uh, l- let's keep moving here. Mills, who do you have at uh, number ten? I had Kenny Smith. Yeah, let's talk about Kenny Smith. He was the number six overall pick in the actual draft. Uh, guy representing Queens, you know, the, the borough as uh, as we call it. Uh, a lot of respect for uh, for Kenny Smith. Talking about the Jet. Man who has yeah. remained very relevant in uh, NBA media over the course of the years. Yeah, two-time NBA champ. I mean, made that all rookie team, but good player. I mean, on the TNT show. <laughs> yeah, still very much on the, on, uh, on on TNT on a regular basis. Uh, yeah, I mean, a, a terrific shooter. I mean, I, I think you know, m- much like Armin Gilliam. I mean, you know, not a Hall of Famer. You know, there are some better players who went after him, but solid. Very solid. I mean, you know, started his career out with the Kings, having been taken uh, by them in, in the draft here, and uh, was a solid shooter. Was a solid shooter, a uh, solid player for them uh, to start his career. A starter, uh, you know, basically his entire time in Sacramento uh, through 188 regular season games, but then moving on and really finding his uh, finding his spot with those uh, championship Rockets teams. Yes, and that uh, was definitely a spot. Yeah, I mean, you know, some some great, great numbers with those squads. I mean, really seem to have refined his game despite, you know, the low volume that is, you know, a part of every kind of shooter story yeah. who didn't play in in, uh, in the more recent era. A I mean, terrific three-point shooter. Yeah, 
I mean, I bet you like him because he put on the Pistons, but. Yeah, I do. I mean, he played like nine games off the bench for the Pistons uh, right <laughs> at the end of his career. So n- not much uh, run with the Pistons, but yeah, I mean, it's nice that he uh, that he did that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, retired uh, after his age 31 season, so didn't make it that far, but got, you know, 737 yeah. regular season games in prior to that. And, um, you know, I mean, as I mentioned, almost a 40% shooter from three for his career. I mean, that's yeah. quite a weapon. And on Actually, those championship Rockets teams, yeah. I mean, up, up to 40 Four percent, basically. I mean, yeah. for some of those seasons, up over forty percent for several years in a row. So yeah, really but what season. was the volume? I mean, not that high, right? I mean, you're right. I mean, he's he's shooting, you know, like two and a half uh, threes a game and up to four at his at his max. I mean, so you're right. I mean, the volume's not there, but I mean, you know, you know, look, if you're if you're shooting forty three percent and you're shooting getting up four a game, I mean, you're you're going to be a weapon out there and a, and a major threat. So, I mean, Kenny Smith adding that to you know what he was able to do in terms of distributing the ball and scoring in other places on the on the court, uh, you know, doing some damage from the free throw line whenever he got there, a really good player. And I mean, you know, if you're talking about someone who's uh, you know going to be number ten pick in the draft uh, as we would do this redraft, that's pretty strong. Even that at number six, you had number 10? It, it's not who I had at number ten. I actually had Muggsy Bogues at number ten. Yes, I see you have Kenny Smith at number 11. Exactly. So, um, yeah, and, and you had Armin Gilliam at number 11? Yeah, so you want to move on to number 12? Yeah, who do you have there at number 12? Um, I had Reggie Williams. Uh, Reggie Williams, okay. He's uh, off off the board for me, but let's uh, let's talk a little bit about Reggie Williams. Out of Georgetown, we uh, I don't actually think we discussed him on our Georgetown episode, so glad we're yeah. getting a chance to uh, circle back around to it here. Yeah, I mean, solid player, actually. I mean, got up over 15 points a game, I think. I'm not sure if he got over that, but um, yes, he actually did get over that at 18.2 points per game the next year, 12.5 points per game for his career, but played 599 regular season games. Too bad he didn't get to 600. Yeah, that would have been nice. But um, yeah, it would have been like play one game the next season and then retire. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, solid player. Yeah, taken uh, number four overall in the in the real version of this draft. So obviously, you know, I'm sure teams might have been regretting some of the guys they let slip past uh, in favor of, uh, of of taking him. I mean, the Clippers uh, make, making that selection one of you know many Clippers draft decisions that haven't worked out ideally over the years, but definitely a solid player. I mean, I think you might be looking for more than uh, than Reggie Williams from your number four overall pick, but. Like, you could have been looking for, like, a Scotty Pippen type. Yeah, they, like, made the right call there and taking Scotty Pippen. Things might have looked different in uh, in NBA history, but uh, Reggie Williams, a contributor, all the same. Not someone who made my, uh, my top 14 here, but I can definitely see the uh, see the argument. I mean, yeah. uh, had a productive NBA career, to be sure, out of coming after coming out of Georgetown. Yes. Um, I had at my pick here, Olden Polonese. Yes, I mean... Solid player, but I really don't have that much to say about him. I, I thought about him, but even in my top 20. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, I remember his uh, his nickname, OP, uh, probably based on his initials, if I had to guess. Um, really, uh, really solid uh, solid NBA player. Played a lot of games. I mean, over 1,000 games in his NBA career. A big man, to be sure. I mean, I remember him being uh, pretty cut up. I mean, you know, like uh, – Really in shape, fit, physical guy. And yeah, I mean, it sounds like Joel Embiid, so that's cool. Yeah, we were watching a little bit of uh, video of, 
of him from uh, from draft night or around draft night in 87 when he got selected. And he has a little bit of Joel Embiid look and, uh, and, and sound about him. But, I mean, it, it kind of makes sense. I mean, Olin Polonese, uh, you know, from Haiti originally, uh, he went to high school in uh, in, in the Bronx and, and went to Virginia for college. And, I mean, it seems like there were some questions about his attitude and about his focus uh, on, on the way into the league. I mean, just from having watched the uh, the draft night coverage again. But I think he really uh, he, he really solidified himself as a strong NBA player. I mean, playing mostly, uh, you know, bench minutes uh, in the early part of his career, but establishing himself as a starter by age 26 and, and you know, ending up starting uh, over 650 regular season games in the league. So yeah. a, a real contributor, a guy who is capable of getting, you know, double doubles. I mean, he averaged double doubles in several seasons, uh, two seasons during his career. You know, quality player. I mean, if you're getting him at number 12 in this draft, you got to be pretty pleased with uh, yeah. how, how well that's going. And was taken, as we said, number eight overall in the actual draft. So yes. Did he make your list anywhere? He he actually didn't. I yeah. I said he was going to be in my top twenty. Oh right, right, right. So yeah, he's a consideration for sure. Yes, he was like probably more like top like fifteen or something, but like right at the right behind. Yeah, gotcha. All right, so let's let's move on to uh, to your number thirteen pick. Who'd you have there? I actually had Ken Norman. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about Ken Norman, the man known as Snake. Yeah, I mean, good player. Uh, played for a while, averaged up, I think, 18 points a game. But, yeah, I mean, solid. I mean, 13.5 points per game for his career, 646 regular season games, 440 441 of them he started and averaged almost 30 minutes a game for his career. And, yeah, I mean, it's all a player. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that, that's probably about as far as, uh, as as I could take it on Ken Norman either. I mean, he played on some teams uh, with the Clippers that, you know, not particularly successful. I mean, but, no. you know, a quality NBA player. I mean, you know, the guy who, you know, averaged, uh, you know, close to 30 minutes a game during his uh, his career, as you mentioned, 646 regular season games. So uh, a, a significant contributor and a guy who, uh, you know, you'd be happy to get down at the bottom of the lottery, certainly. Yeah, I mean, in 1987, it was his team MVP. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, eight, uh, 1987, yeah, team MVP. So that's uh, that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I assume that's his uh, his, his college team uh, playing at, at Illinois. Yes. Uh, yeah, so th- that's uh, – that's interesting. I, I I did not have uh, Ken Norman among my top uh, fourteen, but again, he would have been pretty close. I mean, yes. certainly a consideration down the bottom of my list. I had on my uh, my number thirteen spot the other Hall of Famer in this draft, Sarunas Marcellonis. Yes. Let's talk a little bit about him. I had him at fourteen. Yeah, I mean Hall of Famer. Hey, I mean, I mean, played in the Soviet Union, I think, um, and got up over eighteen points a game. So good for him. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, from Lithuania and, uh, you know, well-known as being uh, one of the first uh, players from the Soviet countries to uh, to come over and play in the, in the U.S. And, uh, you know, didn't have as long of a career as some. I mean, because of, you know, th- that, that transition didn't make his NBA debut until age 25. And uh, definitely had some injury issues towards the back end of it. But you could see in those first uh, four years that he was with the Warriors, a real contributor. I mean, even yeah. if most of it came off the bench. Like on those TMC teams? Yeah, back in the early 90s. And, um, you know, I, I think in his Hall of Fame uh, credentials really, you know, run to his international career where he, um, you know, is in the FIBA Hall of Fame as well. And 
uh, was you know Lithuanian Sportsman of the Year on four occasions, and is you know was named one of FIBA's 50 all-time greatest players. Had a lot of success with that Lithuanian national team, and I think that really propelled him, you know, both for his play and also for like spreading the word about basketball. You know, it's like spreading attention for basketball all around the world. I mean, has uh, you know been honored with that that Hall of Fame induction. Yes, I mean, I think he was inducted to the Hall of Fame pretty recently. Yeah, yeah, it was. That's in right. 2014. That's right. So it, it took a little while. I don't think it was like a slam dunk that he, uh, no, no pun intended, that he was going to uh, get into the Hall of Fame after his playing career. But uh, I think his, his contributions overall certainly, uh, you know, pushed him in that direction. And, you know, look, there, there are certainly less qualified players in the Hall of Fame than, uh, than Serenus Marcellonis. Like Al Serbi. Well, I was thinking more of um, Dino Raja, but no, Al Serbi's worse than Dino Raja. All right, let's let, let's move on. Did you have uh, Sarudis Marshallinus on your list? Yes, I actually did. I told him I had him at fourteen. Yeah, so you got you got him on there at fourteen. I went a different direction at fourteen because I chose Sarudis Marshallinus at thirteen. <laughs> if you can believe that, I uh, I, I instead uh, selected Kevin Gamble, who uh, we mentioned very briefly on Iowa in our Iowa episode. I don't think we had very much to say about him there either. <laughs> but he's the old KG. Right, the, the, the original KG, uh, who really did most of his damage in the NBA in Boston, uh, wearing Paul Pierce's number, uh, 34. Um, yeah, I mean, just, you know, guy who <laughs> started a bunch of games in the league. I mean, started 270 of his uh, 649 regular season games. Certainly can't can't uh, dismiss the contributions of someone who played that much in the NBA and uh, you know put up some numbers during his time. I, I think there were a few other players who uh, I was thinking about uh, down around the bottom here, like Vincent Vincent Askew, Chris Dudley, Reggie Williams. Yeah, I mean uh, Donald Royal, Brad Lowhouse. I mean uh, you know a, a few other names who were under I mean, consideration here at the bottom. Even Dennis Hobson. Well, I don't know if I'd go that far. I mean, Dennis Hobson, uh, the number three overall pick. And actually, let's, let's transition quickly into uh, just running down the top 14 picks in the actual 87 NBA draft. And then we can uh, run down ours. Can I do it? Yeah, please. Okay. Um, number one, David Robinson. Number two, Armin Gilliam. Uh, said the team that took them to. Oh, number one um, for that. Uh, the number one pick that went to the um, Spurs. Spurs, David Robinson, number two to the Suns, Armin Gilliam, number three to the New Jersey Nets, Dennis Hobson, number four to the um, Los Angeles Clippers, Reggie Williams, number five to the Seattle Sonics that got traded to the um, Chicago Bulls, Scotty Pippen, um, Number six for the Kings, um, Kenny Smith. Number seven for the Cavs, Ken, um, Kevin Johnson. Number eight for the Bulls, who got traded to the Sonics, Olden Polonese. Number nine, Derek McKee to the Sonics. Number 10 to the Bulls, Royce Grant. Number 11 to the Pacers, Reggie Miller. Number 12 to the Wizards, Muggsy Bogues. Number 13 to the Clippers, Joe Wolf, And number 14 to the Warriors, Tellus Frank. Awesome. So let's, uh, I mean, a lot of those guys uh, we talked about in this episode, we didn't mention uh, Joe Wolf or, uh, or tell us Frank, Joe Wolf, a uh, frequent subject of conversation in our house, a uh, guy who played on the uh, on North Carolina team in college with Jordan. Uh, so <laughs> certainly a uh, notable player when you watch, uh, you know, old videos of, uh, of Jordan in college, but uh, not a particularly impactful player in the NBA, uh, no. despite the uh, expectations of some of the draft analysts at the time. Yes, but 
Why don't we uh, run down our uh, our lotteries here uh, for uh, comparison's sake? I'm just gonna say who had that pick. Just oh, see, so we can think that, that's an interesting idea. So why don't we uh, why don't we do that? Why don't you you set up each one with uh, who had each pick, and we can each say who we had at that spot. Okay, number one for the Spurs. We both had David Robinson. Exactly. Number two for the Suns. We both had Scotty. We did indeed. Um, number two, number three for the Nets. We both had um, Reggie Miller. Yes. Big improvement over Dennis Hobson, <laughs> as it turned out. Um, number four for the Cavs. We both had... Um, for the Clippers. For the Clippers. Um, Kevin Johnson. Yep, that's that's correct. Number five for the Sonics. We both had Horace Grant. Yes, indeed. Or no. Can you have somebody else? I had Horace Grant at five. Oh. Um, number six for the... Kings. Kings. We both had Mark Jackson. Yes, indeed. Number seven for the Cavs. I had Muggsy Bowes. And you had Reggie Lewis. That's right. Um, number seven. No, number eight for the Bulls. I had Derek McKee. As did I. And number nine um, for the uh, Sonics. Um, I had... Uh, Reggie Lewis. And I had Armin Gilliam. And number 10 for the Bulls, um, I had Kenny Smith. And I had Muggsy Bogues. Um, number 11 for the Pacers, I had Armin Gilliam. And I had Kenny Smith. Number 12 for the Wizards, I and the Bullets, sorry, I had Reggie Williams. I had... Um... Older Polonese. Yes. Uh, number 13 for the Clippers. Uh, no, yes, for the Clippers. I had Ken Norman. And I had Sarunas Marshallonis. And that actually went to Joe Wolf, just to let you know. I don't know. <laughs> but, like, yeah. Um, and number 14 for the Warriors, right? Warriors? Yep, that's right. I had Sarunas Marshallonis. Yeah, well, that's actually where he had ended up. And I had uh, Kevin Gamble. Uh, okay, so that's uh, you know a little uh, or a lengthy breakdown of uh, how we'd redo the uh, the '87 draft with uh, all the information that we have now. Uh, yeah. We also wanted to uh, quickly, and maybe this is kind of obvious uh, given that we've just been discussing these guys, give our uh, starting lineups for uh, players who were selected in this '87 draft. So uh, we've having discussed all these players, let's just run through those lineups now. Meals, who, who would you have at your spots? Yeah, I would have um, center David Robinson, power forward Horace Grant. Small forward, Scotty Pippen, shooting guard, Reggie Miller, and point guard, Kevin Johnson. Yeah, me too. Okay. <laughs> the same guys in the same you spots. You are you for Mark Jackson over Kevin Johnson. That was really the closest call for me as well. Yeah, I mean, Mark, Mark Jackson with a longer career, for sure, considerably longer than Kevin Johnson. I think, you know, Kevin Johnson just passes the threshold for me of, like, he did enough during his time in the NBA. You'd be happy to have him at the level of quality that he reached uh, versus Mark Jackson. But I think it, it is a close call there. Yes. Um, so if you're enjoying, please leave a rating, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Uh, you know, the, your reviews and uh, ratings and mentioning the uh, podcast to anyone who you think might enjoy it. That all helps in terms of uh, us growing our reach. Uh, and and we, uh, we're, we're enjoying the, doing this a great deal and uh, be happy to impact as many people as possible with it. Uh, thanks so much for joining us, as, as I mentioned. And uh, you can reach out to us at uh, Barnards on NBA. 
on uh, Twitter or uh, Barnards on the NBA at gmail.com. We'll be back again in uh, just a couple more days with uh, some more NBA content. Bye.